Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, it's absolutely proving to be box office, isn't it? Who would have thought that Parliament could be so exciting? Uh, what next for Boris and what next for those trying to stymie him as the tactics continue today? Also this morning, are you lonely and how big a problem is it in this part of the world? One of Britain's biggest companies is prepared to change the writing on their products to highlight the issue. A leading woman in local sport who's given a lifetime to encouraging women to be involved in sport. We'll be talking to her about recognition and the challenge that's facing her and some young women who are playing sport with her. And there's a chance for you to be a winner as well this morning. So 028-90-333-105 is the number. 028-90-333-105. Now, uh, Boris Johnson, uh, what a night uh, last night. Uh, as you know, he lost the vote and he wasn't happy. Order. The eyes to the right, 328. The nose to the left, 301. So the eyes have it. The eyes have it. Unlock. Another Burko Tomorrow's bill would hand control of the negotiations to the EU, and that would mean more dither, more delay, and more confusion. And it would mean that the EU themselves would be able to decide how long to keep this country in the EU. And since I refuse to go along with that plan, we are going to have to make a choice, Mr Speaker. I don't want an election. The public don't want an election. I don't believe the right honourable gentleman wants an election. But if the House votes for this bill tomorrow, the public will have to choose who goes to Brussels on October the 17th to sort this out and take this country forward. So it's brinkmanship, there's no question about it at the moment, uh, and advantage is not with the Prime Minister. Let me speak to Eamon Malley. Eamon, good morning. Good morning, Frank. How do you see it after what was, in fairness, in fairness to politics generally, a very exciting night last night on the telly? Yeah, very exciting, Frank. But we're playing with people's emotions, ordinary people's emotions, right at this moment in time. I, I, I said on Twitter last night, or the early hours this morning, I, uh, I was brought up on a small farm. Now, I mix in the farming community on both sides of the border because I'm married into a farming stock in the west of Ireland in two areas. In my, I'm on my side, I'm on my son-in-law's side. So I'm listening to farmers nonstop. I was in Clare down the weekend. I met my Galway relatives as well. I'm, I'm listening to farmers on this side of the border in all areas across Northern Ireland. 
And farmers are living on the edge at the moment. And do you know what I'm going to tell you, Frank? What will be very, very interesting will be the statistics flowing in, in a year's time vis-a-vis suicide on farms. Farmers are at the wit's end. They just do not know what to do. I was talking to one farmer. They were about to in, in invest a quarter of a million in, in, a, in, a, in a very contemporary robotic system of milking powder. They put that on hold. That is what's happening all over the country. People are freezing their intentions in terms of developing what they're going to do. They're at the wit's end. And it, it baffles me what message the Democratic Unionist Party are imparting to farmers because a big core uh, support of theirs historically would have been the farming community. So that, that's what I feel in the community out there. Same thing obtaining in business. People are terrified in business. They don't want to expand. They don't want to know what to do until this is clarified. The next, uh, the next point to which I come, Frank, is it, it, Boris Johnson presently reminds me of the, of the son who was handed the farm or the estate. But he's very close to putting the estate on the wall. Like the farm is almost, it's, it's only a matter of the auctioneer coming in to put the farm on the wall. If he doesn't get himself together, if he doesn't organise himself, and the, and the cards he has at the moment are not great cards. They're like the, the, the two and the three, the two of diamonds and cards like that, I think he's left with at this moment in time. And it also imperils, imperils the influence of the Democratic Unionist Party, the way he's played this. And this genius, Dominic Cummings, who was supposed to be a great guru, who who was the mastermind, I don't know from where he got his degree or, or, or qualifications, but his advice doesn't seem to be very good at this point in time. But Eamon, have they not taken, to use your gambling analogy, the Trump card off the Prime Minister by removing the no-deal option in the final kick of the negotiation? But you see, this is nonsense, Frank. This is delusional. There is no negotiating or negotiation going on of Westminster of any substance. All the, all the concrete evidence, the most informed journalist in, in the entire European setup at this moment is, is Tony Connolly of RT. Read him. I read him religiously. This guy seems to write some of the texts. Such is the caliber of his intelligence and his knowledge of what's going on. Now, he's not just one. There's a, there's a universal acceptance that there's, there is no serious negotiation taking place between the British and the EU at this moment in time. Frank, there's another very significant development which has not really uh, got the attention yet which it deserves. Boris Johnson said in the House yesterday two things. He said, there are no circumstances in which I would go to Europe and ask for an extension. Now, if you take up that position, my interpretation of that is you have one choice. You have to resign. If he's mandated by the House to go to Europe to ask for an extension, and that's potentially what will happen in the aftermath of today when this second vote comes. It may well be that he's going to be told to go to Europe by the House and ask for an extension beyond, uh, up, up until January 30 or whatever, 31 or 30, not 28th or whatever it is. That is conceivable. But he also said he's going to Dublin on Monday and he introduced this thesis of an agri-zone for the economy and farming work, uh, 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 framework within Ireland. Now, 
I'm not an expert on these things, but if he's talking about this agri-zone, because of the interaction of farming and business north-south on this island, that suggests to me that there's so, that he's entertaining the concept of some regulatory system which would be, in my opinion, a derogation from the British uh, totality. And that's why I'm, asking the, I'm putting the question mark. Finchley, an agri-zone for Northern Ireland, Republic of Ireland, does not make Northern Ireland the same as Finchley. There is a derogation there. There is a dividing of the waters. And that implies that there could be some uh, border down the Irish Sea. Now, this is, I, I, I suspect that's almost retracing the footsteps of Theresa May and the package which she was espousing. Now, fascinating. Demo- uh, uh, you've had the DUP deputy leader, the leader of the Democratic Union of Westminster, Nigel Dodd saying that they would they would like to talk to the Taoiseach and they, they are in conversation, he said, with Boris Johnson about this agri-zone on the island of Ireland. So what is going on? Does that imply that the Democratic uh, Unionist Party is, is, is eventually or finally starting to smell the coffee, you know? It's, it's, it's extraordinary. I'm surprised that this hasn't got more attention in the House and generally in the national papers. Yes, but this all-island agri-zone that you're talking about, and you haven't used the term backstop, and many people would be thinking that it's a diluted version of backstop, but there's more more to the backstop than just agriculture and checking food produce. Of of course, but it probably wouldn't be accepted by, by, by by Europe. And, and you see that if Boris thinks that he can go down to Dublin and negotiate this with Leo Varadkar, well, I, I understand that that's misleading because Varadkar and Simon Coveney, the foreign minister, they've been very adamant that these are issues which have to be negotiated between the UK uh, and the EU. So I, I, I think that he, he's maybe been a little facile, but he wants to open the debate, I suspect, uh, in Dublin on Monday. But it, 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 I would say that... Uh, um, Leo Varadkar and Simon Coveney would be in listening mode, but they would be referring him to Europe if he wants to uh, open up this discussion. And funnily enough, nothing that I have heard or read coming out of Europe suggests that this is what he's been putting, putting on the table in Europe. There has been no indication, as far as I can establish, that that is what David Frost, his representative in Europe, has been discussing. OK, Eamon, uh, thank you very much indeed. Eamon Malley with uh, his view on where Boris stands and what moves he might be about to make. Let me speak to Alex Kane uh, as well. Uh, Alex, good morning. Good morning, Frank. So, Alex, you would have been up late last night watching it. It was very ent- very entertaining. There's a lot happening today and Boris seems to be, well, some people would say moving and shaking. Other people would say squirming. Um, and so, uh, there may even be those who will say uh, positioning himself for another attack. How, how do you see it? Well, I, th- I think he has no idea what's happening. Um, I think the, the, there was some sort of grand plan on Monday evening uh, I think concocted by himself and Dominic. Cummins is, is head of everything, basically, that somehow they would be able to get what they wanted and force an election. 
and hey, hey ho, Boris will go to the country, get the rally the country, destabilise the Brexit party, get a majority on, in his own right and in his own name, and then just storm through, come back and uh, basically go to the, the Council of Europe on the 17th of October and say, look, I have a majority now. What I, what I put down in the House of Commons will now pass. Let's talk. All that, that's all gone. That's completely been blown out of the water. And I think he looked uncomfortable with that. That's the whole thing, Frank. When he came in last night, that was he was cross. He was he was wrong footed. I, I don't know if you were watching it or how many of your uh, uh, listeners watched the whole thing. But Jacob Rees-Mogg, leader of the House, who was supposed to be the you know the rallying cry and putting down the opposition, absolutely lamentable performance, and then compounded a bad performance by sort of sprawling himself along the front bench, like you know he's waiting for somebody to you know bring him a pims and gin or something like that, and a few sandwiches. Look, just like no interest whatsoever in what was happening. And I think that probably, that may actually have swung a couple of rebel MPs uh, the other way. And I think what we now look for, forget the, I know that Johnson is going to table uh, a motion under the uh, fixed term of Parliament Act. I know that the rebels will, will push forward their their bill today, which is likely to pass. The big test today for Johnson, in fact, maybe the, 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 the test that will decide his own future uh, in the next six months or so, is Prime Minister's question time today. It is the first time he has done it. He's the first Prime Minister ever to come in to be beaten on the first vote before his first Prime Minister's question time. He is going to be pounded, pounded by all sides. He comes in having inherited a majority of about seven. Let's go back five weeks ago. I think the Conservative Party and the DUP had a majority of seven. He's now just sacked 21 of his own. There's a couple more still in the offing. It doesn't matter what the DUP do now because they cannot save him. So he really is in a position he did not expect to be in and not guaranteed. I mean, worse, the nightmare for him, uh, Frank, is the bill. They, he won't get the, they won't give him the election that he wants today. They, they, they will get through the bill on uh, the, what happens in October. He could be stuck in Parliament on October, <laughs> unable to get the UK out of the European Union because he doesn't have the majority to do anything. He is in the worst possible position. OK, Alex, both you and Eamon have made reference to the DUP this morning. How do you see the DUP as they sit this morning at 19 minutes past nine? Well, it's what I just touched upon there, they no longer have that um, clout. They're in the middle of negotiating the updated confidence and supply arrangement. I don't think that's probably necessary now, because even if they promised to vote for Boris and every single thing, including what he had it for breakfast, wouldn't matter. Those 10 votes cannot now save the Prime Minister or save the government. So that, that changes the nature of the clout the DUP has. It changes the nature of the relationship. It changes how they're seen in Parliament and so on. So uh, that's a difficulty for them. The other thing is that um, they were a little bit wary of Boris beforehand. The, the deal that, uh, the first deal they did, you know, they, they felt they were betrayed by Theresa May when she introduced the backstop. Some of them will tell you privately, in fact, have told me privately, they felt betrayed when Boris ended up voting, having come to Belfast to tell him he wouldn't vote for it a few weeks later, having voted for the withdrawal agreement and the backstop. They will now be worried, Frank, that they, with no leverage on Johnson and with Johnson in no position to do anything, what Eamon called, and I've forgotten the, 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 the phrase they're using for this all-Ireland regulatory board or body and so on, it is in essence a backstop in another name. I remember 
saying two or three months ago, my hunch is that it would come down to a situation in which the DUP would have to sell a backstop in in some sort of form and say, well, it's not ideal, but it's better than the alternatives. I think they are in a difficult position right now. Okay, I'll come back to you in a second. Do stay with me, Alex, because uh, Sammy Wilson's available to have a conversation with us as well. Um, Sammy Wilson, good morning. Good morning. Is there a sense in your mind this morning, Sammy Wilson, that you backed the wrong horse? No. Um, we uh, always believed that the, a Conservative government was the best for the country and also the best for Northern Ireland. Uh, we have already had substantial gains for Northern Ireland from the relationship we have had with the Conservative Party and all those gains are, have already been felt in our economy with the spending of the £1,000 um, million pounds that we obtained. Uh, there will be a financial statement today and we expect to get some uh, additional support for uh, a range of areas in Northern Ireland from that financial statement and of course we still have um, in place a government which is determined not to accept the um, backstop arrangements. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Which would have cut Northern Ireland off from the rest of the United Kingdom. So, you know, I, I think that uh, our relationship with the Conservative Party has been productive for the Union and productive for all of the people in Northern Ireland to date. It may have been productive up to last night, but it won't be productive anymore. The, the confidence and supply can't be moved on from here. The, you, you, you're not in a position, well, you may be in a position to still be a kingmaker at some time in the future, but Boris Johnson's not in a position to deliver anything more to you. No, and you're quite right. The parliamentary arithmetic uh, isn't working well for the, the, the government at present. However, I, I, I'm, I've listened to the, the, the commentary that was uh, being given there just before I came on. I think it's, uh, it, it is a bit unduly uh, pessimistic because there are options open to the government. The government knows that even if it does get through this current uh, um, phase, we're never likely to certainly in the, in the, the current uh, political situation, they're never likely to have a huge majority, so they will want to keep the relationship with us, and we will continue uh, to try and build on the relationship we have and build on that relationship to make sure that, no, one, Northern Ireland is protected, and two, that uh, Northern Ireland benefits from the relationship which we'll have. And let me just put, you know, yes, the government has lost its majority, um, it is likely 
despite the Labour Party having called for an election for the last year now, uh, that they will try to avoid an election because they are afraid of an election, uh, especially um, in the north of England, where they've got a large number of constituencies that voted to leave, and now they're going to be backing a piece of legislation which is designed to keep us in the European Union. So they want to avoid an election, but the only way they can avoid an election, Frank, is for them to um, back this government uh, so it never never loses um, on crucial votes or it's got to avoid voting against the government so it never loses a crucial vote. Because don't forget, when we come back, the first vote that we're going to have is in the Queen's speech. Are the Labour Party really going to support or stand aside and let the Conservative government get its programme for government through for the next three years? I suspect not. So at some stage, they, they either have to keep up propping the, the current government or we will face an election. And I think we will face an election sooner rather than later. And in the um, meantime, but in, in the meantime, you, you, you will say the DUP are always looking forward to uh, an election, but in the meantime, you've lost the clout that you would have had. And there's talk about this all-island agri-policy that would was just described there a moment ago by Alex Kane as a, a, a backstop of sorts, I think, was the way he, he described it. And everything but name was the term that, that he, he used. That's going to be a discussion between the Prime Minister and the Taoiseach possibly on, on Monday. How, how concerned are you about that? I'm not concerned about it at all because the Prime Minister made it quite clear that any arrangement such as that would only be um, put in place with the agreement of the Assembly. That's something actually that we got built into the original um, declaration, paragraph 50, that any um, arrangements which there might well be uh, put in place, for example, to protect the agri-food industry would have to be done with the agreement of the Assembly. So we would still have the final say over whether or not that uh, was, was put in place, and if we if we deemed that uh, there were some cross border arrangements that were good for Northern Ireland, then of course we would back them. If we thought it was going to be bad for Northern Ireland, then we would use our position in the Assembly to stop them. And the Prime Minister made it quite clear there yesterday that that would be the terms on which such um, arrangements would be put in place. So you know, we're even even as far as that's concerned, we're quite relaxed. But would those be the terms even after a general election? Well, you know, after a general election, I don't know what the outcome of the general election will be. Um, yeah, but let's presume uh, let's presume Boris Johnson is the prime minister, and he's not as dependent on you. He could go ahead with that, couldn't he? And there'd be checks. There'd be there'd be there would be checks, and there would be a form of border down the Irish Sea. Well, well, uh, 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 that's not necessary. No, that's that, that is not the case. Because first of all, don't forget um, that some of these things are devolved. Uh, so the Assembly would have uh, the final say on them. And um, the, the, as far as the, 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 the scope of these are concerned, it is basically just for agri-food. Um, and it's not the kind of wider customs checks. That's, what, that's where the checks would be down the REC. Um, that doesn't encompass um, the wider com- uh, customs checks 
and um, the the uh, regulatory alignment that uh, would have required a border down the REC. One final point, uh, just on the back of what Eamon Malley said, he said he's talking to farmers in the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland, and he actually said that he's concerned that the suicide increase among the farming community could, the, the suicide rate among the farming community could increase in the future. And he then went on to say that he's surprised at the DUP's attitude with regards to the backstop and the lack of understanding of the plight of the farmer and the manoeuvres and the moves of the DUP at this at this moment in time. Well, what's your message to farmers who are genuinely as worried as Eamon Malley has described? Well, you know, first of all, the constituency which I serve is about 40% rural, so I fully understand the concerns that farmers have. One of the reasons why, in our discussions with the government, we have indicated to them that if there are short-term problems which arise as a result of our exit from the EU, and we hope that that exit will actually be with a deal. Um, that's what we are aiming for. That's why we're opposing this legislation, because we believe that um, the the option of being able to leave without a deal in, is more likely to ensure you get a deal at the end of the day. But we've already had those discussions with the government, and indeed only yesterday, Michael Gove in the House of Commons did make it quite clear that the government had set aside money to give support, especially to the agricultural industry, where there were likely to be short-term problems. Um, and uh, that, that kind of support then would offset the issues which some of the farmers are concerned about. So you know, we haven't ignored the issues which uh, farmers have raised. In fact, we have listened very carefully, and Diane Dodds does a superb job in listening to the farmers feeding back the solutions which um, they have suggested, and we have taken those to the government. And I'm pleased to say, I mean, it was on the record in the House of Commons yesterday, I'm pleased to say that the government is fully aware of the the, uh, the um, problems which have been highlighted, fully aware of some of the consequences which might arise and have actually devoted resources to trying to deal with them. And in the meantime, because of how last night went, you feel a little more, you have to feel a little more on the sidelines now. Well, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're not on the sidelines at present. The government is still talking to us, uh, still working with us. I think that um, the financial statement today will show that they still are working very closely with us and indeed are responding to some of the things that we have raised in terms of resources for Northern Ireland. Um, I can't say anything more about it until the, um, the statement is made. Um, so, you know, we're, and as far as the negotiations with the EU are concerned, the government are still fully on board with the concerns that we have. Indeed, one of the reasons why the, um, the, the, the government's having difficulty with the EU at present is because they have been so firm on the issue of the backstop, the, the issue which we raised with them, the issue which we have said is fundamental, and the issue which is crucial to unionists. So, you know... Uh, yeah, Frank, but do you trust him if he doesn't evidence. need you, Sammy? Does, do, do you trust, do you trust well, Boris Johnson you know, if he doesn't need you? We're, we're, we're talking with the President. We fully understand that if you had a government of either... Uh, shade of opinion, whether it was Labour or Conservative, 
where they had a huge majority and weren't reliant on votes for Northern Ireland. We're not so naive to think that we'd be the centre of attention any longer. But that is not the case at the moment. And all we have pledged to do is while we do have that influence, we will use it to the best of abilities for people in Northern Ireland. Okay, Sammy Wilson, uh, thank you. Thank you very much indeed for your time this morning. Uh, Alex, I presume you're still listening to to Sammy speaking there. Uh, Is he putting a brave face on it or is he making some very good points? I think he's actually making some very good points because um, even I, I was I was fascinated. Well, not fascinated. It's over again. That I was I was actually genuinely interested when you put in the point I'd made about you know this all Ireland body, whatever we're calling, is, 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 is in essence a backstop. I, the old Sammy six months ago said, "No, that's complete. No, that's Alex talking nonsense." But he didn't. He actually he actually not skirted it, but said, "Look, we'll have to look at it." And uh, forgot to say, of course, that there's no assembly sitting. Uh, there's, there, there doesn't need to be any likelihood of an assembly sitting. So if that's an option that the, the DUP say they can live with, then the DUP need to get back into the Assembly fairly quickly because you're talking about two months before all this is supposedly, as it stands today, due to kick in. So if there's no Assembly, then that, then that new what they backstop or whatever we're going to call it is only workable from the DUP's point of view if they are in the Assembly. And I presume what they mean is when they say that if we don't like something, we can stop it. I presume what they mean is a petition of concern. You know, so, so we're back to that whole argument. Again, I also thought it was interesting, Frank, that um, he acknowledged that um, in, you know, when you asked him did he trust Boris Johnson, he couldn't quite bring himself to say the words, but then said, look, I'm not naive enough to think that if it was government of either shade, you know, that we would be the centre of the world and so on so forth. So I think that in the DUP now, and I think you and I had this conversation a few months ago, I think before the last deadline, I said, you know, there comes a moment when the DUP will have to face one reality, which is you know, they, they don't really want, for all of the, 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 the tough talk they used to do, they, they genuinely know the difficulties of a hard Brexit or no deal. They are aware of that. They are looking for some sort of compromise. It sounded to me from what Nigel Dodd said this morning, from what Sammy has just said to you, that this all-Ireland thing is possibly the compromise they're looking for. They could live with it, but as I say, contingent on that is the Assembly. So I don't know, are we now going to see Sinn Féin and the DUP sitting down together and going, OK, we need the Assembly for bigger reasons, which are in both our mutual interests, but that begs the question, what do the DUP compromise? Do they compromise in the Irish language? Does Sinn Féin compromise in the Irish language? Does it's as ever when it comes to Northern Ireland, Frank. You know, you, you think you've answered one question, and we raise another half dozen. You know, to to be answered. This is very, very true. Alex, thank you very much indeed. I give the final word to Eamon, who's been patiently waiting, uh, listening uh, to all of that from you spoke to us uh, about 15 minutes ago. Uh, Eamon, um, what did you make of uh, Sammy Wilson's uh, analysis of his current position? Thank you for coming back to me, Frank. Well, I think it's a bit delusional, quite frankly. I think Sammy is very chastened, and that's the tone which I interpreted from Nigel Dodds as well. They know the writing is on the wall. I used the term last night, which is as an historical connotation, coffin ship. I think they're upon a coffin ship, essentially, in, in sticking with Boris at this point in time. And uh, on the coffin ship, those ships were sailed across the Irish, across the Atlantic, um, with the emigrants and impoverished people, uh, about a third of the people were lost on those ships. Now, I would be worried about the Democratic Unionist Party in terms of their fate now. Um, and uh, Sammy, it's interesting, and I respect the fact, Frank, you put the point to him, what I was reflecting about the farming community. 
There was no denial of what I'm saying about the preoccupations, the concerns of that community. In all my life, and I covered farming in my younger years, and I've kept in touch with farmers, I haven't ever known such anxiety in that community. It is frightening. And they, they know that and how they get off that hook and how the community ultimately will respond when they knock on the door for a vote. It'll be very, very interesting should there be an election. You can't see them getting 10 MPs? I would say that they're a resilient party. They have a good machine. They have a lot of young energy in that party. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to arbitrate or be an arbiter on that. And I'm not a cephologist, and that's my expertise. I, I will try and read it close to the time. But the bottom line is, we are going through an extraordinary time in, in politics. I, I thought, having been around for so long, people like myself and Mark Devonport and Ken Reid, I thought we'd seen it all. Gosh, I think we're, we're being reborn. <laughs> we're being reborn in our experiences. Uh, remarkable, Frank. It's a wonderful time to be a broadcaster. It's a wonderful time to be a journalist. Um, but the bottom line is, and there's always uh, the, the ordinary people, the less well-off, they're the ones just out throughout the troubles. Uh, uh, it, was, it was an extraordinary career for us as journalists. But when I think, and sometimes I wonder about the validity of what I did, when I reflect about all the things to which I went to, uh, to cover and to see those families broken, wrecked. It was, it was very exciting for us as journalists. This is an exciting time. But there are so many people who are so worried about the future at this point in time. That's basically, I th- I'm still trying to reflect as best I can in my own words this morning. Eamon, I really appreciate your input. It's an incredibly negative look at where we are at this moment in time. But as I've often said before, people like Eamon have walked the walk, Alex Cain as well, and they are very relevant voices. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.